Hey friends, we hope this message from C3 Fort Worth helps you see Jesus like never before. And if you're in or around Fort Worth, we'd love to meet you on a Sunday or at one of our weekly dinner parties. How many of you know unity is not just about proximity? Unity is not just about being in the same place. It's being with the same spirit. And how many of you ever, I mean, come on, how many of you have ever been in a car with kids? You know that unity is not about proximity. And so, so the, the church is not just about a hands thing. It's not just about being in the same place and being physically in the same place. Uh, it's also about being in the same place in our hearts. That's why it's so much more difficult uh, because we can be here and be united in space uh, but not be united in spirit. And, and we can begin to separate ourselves because we're not sure we're in the same spirit. But God would say, no, 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 keep showing up, keep showing up, keep showing up because I'm doing a work in you. And we read the Bible, we see the word you, Y-O-U, and we tend to think that that just means me personally. But the church is not just a me as a person, it is us as a people. And so when Paul writes a letter to you, he's writing it to us. And so we're, gonna, we're closing out, if, you, if, you, if this is your first time or maybe you've just been around for a couple weeks, we are in the year of the pattern. Um, if we can establish the patterns of Jesus, we'll, we will adjust our posture to the posture of Jesus and we will inhabit places like Jesus did. And so we, we are not people looking for position or title. We are people that are adjusting posture so no matter what position or title, we can inhabit places regardless. That we can walk in with peace and joy and vision and purpose regardless of whether or not we got the job title. Are you with me? And the earth needs more people who are not clamoring for uh, a leg up or a title or something. They're just, the earth needs more people who want to bring heaven to wherever they are. Whenever, wherever, however. Amen? And I was just thinking even about uh, Mama Rev's story and, and, and just we tend to live in a scarcity mentality. We tend to think that if I don't go grab it, someone else is going to grab it and God will not have enough to give me. And yet the, 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 the Garden of Eden, when God created the earth, remember, we, don't, we go back to the Garden of Eden, why? Because it's, it was the ideal. Everything from Genesis 1 and 2 and beyond is God restoring the ideal, bringing heaven back into earth. And so what we see in the garden is God giving them more than enough and saying, make something with this. Paradise is not absent of work. It is work with purpose. So you, you and I still work, but we have joy in our hearts because they're connected. Our hand and our heart are connected in what we're meant to do. Amen. So we are people of the pattern. What, what does that mean? We, we cr- the patterns are not uh, the things that fill the space or the things that create the space. In other words, you, you will begin to put a pattern on your wall, and eventually you will begin to live in that space. And so we create patterns. So withdrawal and return is what we did in January. We said, hey, withdrawal to see Jesus so you can return looking more like him. Um, and Jesus did that. Jesus would withdraw and return. It says he withdrew often, right, to, to commune with the Father. And then he would return. And every time he returned, he would make a decision about something. He would choose a disciple. He would heal more people. He would move on to the next city. There was something about when he would withdraw that he would return with more strength and power. And, and, and we tend to be people, Mara's reading uh, a book last night. I think it's sexy when you read books, just to balance that out. And... Um, and she was reading a book last night, and, uh, and, and it talked about how it, years ago, I don't remember the, day, the, the year, but the, 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 on average, there 11 hours of sleep, 11 hours of sleep. And then with technology, we began to, we have the dishwasher to do our dishes when before they had to do the dishes. We, we have the microwave to heat up our food. We have what? Thermostat. To, we, have, we have all this stuff to do things for us, and yet we're more busy than we've ever been. 
And, and, and one of the things that is, is a pattern of Jesus was not allowing the busyness. In fact, there's one moment where in the middle of successful ministry, in the middle of healing a bunch of people, he took off. There's something to learn from that, isn't it? That, 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 to me, withdrawing is to say I'm trusting God that even when I'm not working, he's working. So I withdraw, and then I return, and I walk back into, and then we've, we set up this pattern, the second one. And next, next week we get into one. I'm really excited about this. We creative team spent a few hours uh, building some things around it. Just so you know, as a creative team, we are not about just creating experiences on Sunday. We want to make sure that things live beyond Sunday. And so we want to create things that move beyond. And our Good Friday, we're just, I haven't confirmed it yet. We're not, we're, well, we pretty much have. But our Good Friday is going to be awesome. It will not be a church service. It will be an invitation to the table. And we're really, really excited about it. Um, but we'll get more into that later. Um, but this, this new pattern of temple to table and back again. We talked last week about this, this back and forth of patterns, withdrawal, return, withdrawal, return, withdrawal, return. It is about the regular, consistent wax on, wax off of life. Okay, so there's a, some of you got it, some of you didn't. Temple to table, there's this pattern, and there's the, there's the distance between the temple, and we're using that word loosely, obviously. Uh, what we, we primarily mean is the larger gathering of the saints. We're all saints, even though we're still sinners, because Jesus calls us what, he, what we are. Amen? So the, there's the temple and then the table, and there's this distance between the temple to the table where, where God begins to add people to the church, where God begins to bring people. Jesus did all of his ministry, if not all, most of his ministry, on the street. It wasn't in the temple and it wasn't at the table. It was in the street. And then along the way, he'd go, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to hang out in your house tonight. Along the way, he would grab people, he would heal people, he would do things in the lives of people, and then he would end up at the table with them. Because we are not about, in this church, we are absolutely not about just making sure you decide one Sunday to raise your hand and say, I'm with Jesus. It is that along the way, if we pick you up and you're healed or we see you along the way, we're going to the table with you. We want to do life with you. We want to make sure that everyone finds their place. And so we believe in that. We believe in the patterns and the, and the posture of Jesus. And so we're in this pattern of temple to table. And next week we get into the pattern, you ready for it, of death and resurrection. That might sound heavy, different, whatever. Uh, but there is a pattern to Jesus of death and resurrection. To, to live resurrection life, you have to die to the one you're living now. That's a big call. That's a big challenge. But I'm telling you, it's, it's a good one. There are all, all of us have things we wish we would die to. Every one of us have things we wish would just be done. And yet when we talk about dying to self, we go, well, I don't know about that. And yet God wants to redeem and renew and bring resurrection life for you and I. Amen? All right. So I want to talk about this. I'm going to read uh, the verse that we've been hanging out in. And then I'm going to read a, a, a fairly decent chunk of scripture out of 2 Corinthians. And then I'm going to try to finish out my notes. Last week I didn't have any notes. And we did a good job. And then this week I have a lot of notes. And so we'll just see how it works out. Um, Acts chapter 2, verse 46 through 47 in the message translation should be on the screen for you. It says, they followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple, followed by meals at home. Daily discipline of worship in the temple, followed by meals at home. Similar but different things happen in the temple to the table. Worship at the temple, meals at home. Every meal a celebration, exuberant and joyful as they praised God. So even at the meal, there was praise. That probably doesn't sound like music. That probably sounds like celebration. That probably sounds like Thanksgiving. That probably sounds like, man, can you believe God did this? Jesus did this. Remember, they're living in the glow, the afterglow of Jesus' death and resurrection and the Holy Spirit showing up. 
Every day, no, sorry, people in general liked what they saw. I love that. Not everyone liked it. Some people were mad about it. Some people didn't think this was real. But people in general liked what they saw, and every day their number grew as God added those who were saved. It's good, right? All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, this one out of the New Living Translation. I'm going to read a few different uh, uh, verses here. Just bear with me. Uh, I'll get your Bible reading in for the day. You can check that off. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 4. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each. Everybody say each. Each of us so we can help each other. Verse 14. So I'm I'm skipping a few. Verse 14. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. How many of you have ever heard that you are the temple of God? And that is true when the Holy Spirit dwells in you, and Paul's addressing a particular thing when he references that. But we are all the temple of God. But more often than him saying you are individually the temple of God, Paul references us as the temple of God. In other words, more often he is saying it in a very corporate sense. Ephesians 4, he says that God is putting you brick by brick together to be the dwelling place of the Spirit of God. So make every effort to dwell in unity. Even in this scripture, Paul is saying what? That each and every one of us has a part. So we are all the temple, the same as every brick is the house. We are all part of this thing coming together to be the dwelling place of God, to be the people. God's greatest gift to humanity is dwelling within humanity. In other words, it is not just you dwelling all by yourself. Anybody know those isolated Christians? Right? They they get weird. I mean, anybody dwells in isolation gets weird. And and I'm not saying, you only need the fruit of the Spirit if you're going to have friends. You only need patience if you're going to have people around. And so everything that God's doing in us and for us is trying to get us to do relationship. I would say unity is top three messages of the Bible. That we are being put together. And even if you go back to verse 7, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can what? Help each other. How many of you guys know, well, maybe some of us are these people. We, we pursue a spiritual gift so that I can help myself. Give me discernment so I can know the decisions I need to make. Come on, give me, give me the gift of prophecy. Give me, the, give me these gifts so that I, and I, I think God's totally cool with that. I'm just telling you that at some point it needs to go from for me to through me. That if I'm going to be a river of living water, then I, then I can't stop it up when it tries to come out of my life. I, I can't shut it down or else I become a lake and not a whole lot of movement. I, I need to be a river that flows. So verse 15, if the foot says I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? It's like when my six-year-old gets really mad and goes, I'm not part of this family anymore. I'm like, sorry, dude, you're stuck. (laughs) Listen, you can reject the church, but the church will always have a place for you. You, you can say, well, I'm not about the church, I'm only about Jesus. The problem with that is Jesus was all about the church. And not in some religious, stuffy, kind of like, I, I don't know, unappealing way, but about the church that inhabits the earth with heaven. About the church that inhabits the, the earth looking more and more like Jesus every day through the Holy Spirit. 
about the church that, that, that extends a hand to those stand, sitting at Beautiful Gate who need healing, about the church who are willing to open up the table to both the disciples and sinners and realize that we're all probably one and the same, the, about the church that, that decides that when we pray, Lord, bring heaven to earth, we go, okay, so now I'll get on doing that. That's the church he's about. And he wants to see people coming together using their gifts to benefit one another. That's why we gather so that we can, I mean, my goodness, wouldn't it be awesome if the church came together every week and you walked in before you hit that threshold and said, I've got this gift, how can I use it? We said this question last week that I grabbed from a friend of mine when I was in Calgary. And he said, you know, every time I show up at a place, I know why I'm there. And then I ask God, why else am I here? I might be there for an appointment with my doctor, but why else am I here? Who's sitting next to me today? I might be here to do my job, but why else am I here? I, I might be here to be a father or mother or friend, but why else am I here? I, I, can, I know why I'm supposed to, but why else am I here? What else can I do? What else can I speak? Guys, I should preach the rest of my message. Verse 18, but our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. Come on. Some of you need to hear that today. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with greatest care, so we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require the special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members, so that all the members care for what? Each other. This is good. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Come on, I could just pray right there. The Bible says a lot of good things. You don't always need a preacher telling you more of it. The Bible says it. That each of us together play a part. But we are establishing a pattern of temple to table. And it's easy, man. We probably spent the first several weeks just talking about the table. And I've watched it. We've had uh, tons of guests. In fact, I heard a story last week that two Wednesdays ago, someone showed up at a dinner table and, uh, and just walked in very surprised by what was happening around the table. Just, wait, you guys do this every Wednesday night? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there a Bible study? Are you about to, like, are you about to do a quiz? Like, am I about to find out I missed out buying the book? You know, um, all, no, 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 no. We're just having a meal because we believe Jesus can be seen just as much through hospitality. And so radical, ordinary hospitality where strangers become neighbors and neighbors become family. I stole that quote, but you can credit it to me if you would like. It's fine. At Brandon underscore Cole, just what's up. And so I, 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 I like, we, 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 we love that. The table is a big deal. I love that this last Wednesday night we had more people around the table than we did Sunday morning. Now, I'm not supposed to say that. I'm really not. And I want to be really, I'm going to push back on that just a little bit. And I'm going to try to do this in the next 10 minutes. But I, I want you to understand, I, 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 the reason we're pushing so hard on the table is because for so long, the church has pushed so hard on the row. We have said everything's about Sunday, everything's about Sunday, and everything's about Sunday. And we have short-circuited your ability to live life Monday through Saturday in the presence of God because we've made you think that it only dwells 90 minutes on a Sunday morning. Your Monday afternoon gathered around the table at work 
can be just as powerful as what's happening here. In fact, the history of the church is not one where everybody comes in on a Sunday morning to hear about Jesus. It is that they come in on a Sunday morning to tell you stories of Jesus. To celebrate what God has already been doing on your street and on your street and on your street and on your street. I told you this last week. I've got Ross and Kathy on my street. You don't know them. I do. They're not your responsibility. They're mine. You will never meet them. I do. But you've got people on your street that I will never know their names. But you do. And if I tell you that the only way you're going to do ministry is if you get them in here, then we have severely limited the ability to reach people. I just don't think that, that, that every tongue, every knee will bow, every tongue confess will happen Sunday morning at 10 a.m. I believe that that will happen whenever God decides to make it happen. And I, I just want us to be that. So we pushed, we have pushed hard on this table thing. We've really encouraged you. And so many of you have stepped out and said, yeah, I'm opening my table. I'm not, Shane and Talisha opened up their table for dinner party for the first time Wednesday night. Had 20 people in their house. It was amazing and loud and crazy. It was awesome. And it isn't about how many we're at. It's about the, the fact that we had five, peop- five different homes with tables open to strangers and to family. To disciples and sinners, even though they're probably the same thing. And to bring them together and say, you're welcome here and you have a seat at this table. But we are establishing a pattern of not just the table, but of also the temple. We do want, and again, I would say that what we're saying here is that there's this gathering of the saints. There's this larger gathering of people who call upon Jesus. There's this larger decision to come together and be in church. I called a friend of mine. I call him Rabbi. He's a buddy of mine who has a church in Kansas City, and he's, he's been on this really interesting journey. And so now I call him when I'm ever questioning liturgy or or, or tradition, or, or, or what, what has the church always been? There's this really amazing renewal of ancient things uh, in the modern-day church. And I think God always does that. God always, there's always a pendulum, because we as people tend to go to extremes. Hey, I'm not sure I want to come tonight. You hate me, don't you? Right? Like that's, we tend to live there. We tend to live in these extremes of life. And so God understands that. And so there's times where we swing one way. And so the, the, the Jesus people uh, revolution that happened in the 60s, that needed to happen. There needed to happen. There needed to be a place where people go, no, no, we need to push against what. And it's always, God's always shaping his church because if his church is his body, then he is always refining and growing and developing his people. That is always how God has worked. And so there's this kind of swing back towards what has ancient, what has worked for all of time with the church? What has worked? What has allowed it to continue to be present throughout society? What has allowed it to, to, per, to persevere in the midst of persecution? What is it? And so there's this amazing kind of swing back to that without losing what God has done through birthing some of these other movements of the Holy Spirit and some of these other things. And so I said to him, I said, hey, what do we, what do, how do I tell people they're supposed to be in church? And he, he kind of gave me a flippant answer, and we have some fun words we use with each other that we, I won't use with you because I'm the pastor. And um, I said, he, <laughs> he just goes, well, uh, Jesus did it. I was like, yeah, I'm going to need more. I got 40 minutes. Like, I got to, you know, like, give me more than just Jesus did it. <clears throat> so we got on the phone later because he apologized and said, sorry if I, you know. I said, well, no, it was a good answer. I mean, it's a good answer. Like, it's a good answer. Like, you can't go wrong with Jesus did it. Right, like, but he did. Jesus was at the table in the temple regularly, both places proclaiming the good news, welcoming people, always. The early church did the same. 
there was this rhythm, and there always has been this rhythm of the people. So I'm not going to be up here telling you that you have to be in church. That's not what I'm here to do today. Like, I'm not telling you there's a command in the Bible that says Sunday morning at 10 a.m. is the anointed time for you to be in church. I don't actually think that's necessarily present. What I do think and I do believe is that it is beneficial and that it is recommended and that it is modeled and patterned for us to be people who gather both in the concentric circles of family and community around the table and the gathered saints around the church. That it is beneficial. It'd be one thing for me to go to you and say, you're supposed to be in church, God said so. And then you'd be like, ah, okay, but isn't, isn't Wednesday night around the table also church? Yeah. Okay, so why do I have to come on Sunday? Well, yeah, that's a good question. No, no, you just should. And that's typically what we do, right? Parents, you know what I'm talking about. Why do I have to do that? Because you're supposed to do that. And then you look at your spouse and go, why do they do that? And here's the reality of it. When I tell my kids, hey, you have to do that, it's, I get a little different response. When I explain to them why it's good for them to do that, it changes the conversation. So for you and I, I'm not going to get up here and tell you, hey, the Ten Commandments say, number three says, go to church. What I am going to tell you is that it has been proven over time and time and time and time, time ancient and time present, that being present in the gathered midst of saints, worshiping Jesus, is beneficial to your health. It is absolutely beneficial to your spiritual life. And it absolutely matters to the way you follow Jesus. There is no argument against the idea that somehow we should be gathered together. There is something powerful that happens. And while the table and temple are similar, they are different. There are different things that happen. I would explain it simply this way. That Sunday morning would be the time where you extend your hands to heaven in worship. And Wednesday night would be the time that you extend your hand towards one another in service. That we are people who, if we want to bring heaven to earth, we need to come get a glimpse of heaven. And while we can do that Monday and Tuesday in different variety of ways, that, that really the gathering of people from all different walks of life, living on different streets, going to different jobs at different seasons of their world, gathering together, sitting together, lifting their hands together, singing the same song together, listening to the same Bible together, there's something about that that brings power to you and I. That is the beauty of the church, is that every brick doesn't look the same, and yet every brick gets to play a part. That every brick doesn't have the same background. We didn't all grow up in church. We don't have it all together. We haven't memorized all the verses. And yet somehow I still get to be one of the bricks that becomes the dwelling place of the Lord. There's something powerful about the gathering of the church. So we, we, we really have to get a, a different mindset. We don't go to church. We gather as the church. We, we, don't, we, don't, we said this uh, years ago. We, we, we don't do church. We be church. We are the church, and the church should gather every once in a while. The, 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 the actual word for it, and some of you may know this word, is the word ecclesia. The literal translation of that word is to simply be a called-out assembly. A called-out assembly. That, that, that you are called out. And why does the pattern of showing up in the temple matter? Because you are reminding yourself every time you gather in this group, or at least you should be reminded, every time you gather in this group, you are called out to live called. That you are called out under the name of Jesus. You are called out under his purposes and his desires. It is, it is now I will say this. There is the, the definition of ecclesia that you could say it is both the place and the people. 
That there is, a, there is a, it is both who we are and where we are. That it was interesting to me that, that Jesus often w- would do both. He would be at the table and then he'd end up on the hillside preaching. Jesus knew, <clears throat> knew the differences. He understood the power of both. He would gather 18,000 people and put them on a hilltop and begin to preach. And then he would gather 12 people at a table and begin to share stories together. It, there, there's something powerful that begins to happen when we begin to realize that we are a gathered people called out to live a particular life. One quote that I referenced in a commentary says this, and those people, Christians, are described in the Bible as not being merely isolated individuals but a corporate body with many members because they are all united to Jesus by faith. And it is because of this unity in Jesus, this corporate nature of Christianity, that the church exists. The church is not a building It is not a structure of brick and mortar. The church is the assembly of Christians gathered to express that unity in Jesus and to worship Jesus. So the the Bible says, now you, Christians, are the body of Christ and individually members of it. James K. Smith says this, and that's one of my favorite quotes from his book, You Are What You Love. He says, worship works from the top down. In worship, we don't just come to show God our devotion and give him our praise. We are called to worship because in this encounter, in this pattern of developing worship, he remakes and molds us top down. Worship is the arena in which God recalibrates our hearts, reforms our desires, and rehabituates our loves. Worship isn't just something we do. It is where God does something to us. Worship is the heart of discipleship because it is the gymnasium in which God retrains our hearts. So many ways coming together on a Sunday morning is to simply say, I surrender my story to the story of God. I surrender the typical rhythm and pattern of culture, the things that are trying to tell me to go do this or get onto that or make sure you plan this or get ready to surrender my story and to come into a place. So many times we make worship about my response to him, but oftentimes worship is more about what he's going to do in you. Worship is a place where we have developed this pattern of going, God, what are you up to? And God begins to remind us of this centuries-long story and saying, you get to play a part in this story that I've been writing and weaving for centuries. So I need to be reminded on a pretty regular basis that it isn't just about my story. It isn't just about me, although mine matters. It is the fact that I bring my story, match it with your story, match it with your story, match it with your story, and in that begin to combine it with his story and begin to be restoried in life. We begin to get a new narration as to what life is. I'm gonna close with this. I still remember, um, I still remember the first time I went to uh, England with my dad. Uh, it's the only time I went to England uh, with my dad. So first and last time. He obviously didn't enjoy it enough to take me again. But I remember going, and I, I remember, uh, I've been wanting to take Meredith back there ever since. I, uh, it was one of the most amazing experiences of my life. And, and one of the things I remember most is walking into these cathedrals, walking into these places that were just massive, majestic, amazing. You would look, you would just stare at the ceiling. I, you would just kind of walk in. And look around at the stained glass and you would look at the, the, the arch of the ceiling and you would be reminded of like, this is bigger than me. And, and I asked somebody, why, why, is, why is it like that? And they said, well, back in the day, they didn't have the amplifiers, they, they didn't have the lights, they didn't have all the stuff. All they had was the structure. 
And so they built a structure to remind people. And I know what we do in our culture. We're deconstructionists. We like to tear things down. So I know what we would typically say. Well, the church was doing that to dominate people. No, 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 no. No. The churches were built that way. Their original intent was to remind people the moment they walked in, wow, this is big. God is big. God is awesome. So much bigger than, the churches were typically the largest, tallest buildings in the city. So that no matter where you are, you would look across and you would see the cross or you would see the steeple and you would go, God's bigger than whatever else I'm dealing with at the moment. That's why it was that way. And I know why we pushed back, because the church has made some missteps. The church has done some things. It has has turned to authoritarian at times, and it has changed to dominating at times. But that wasn't the intent. God's desire with you and I is to look into nature, to look into the earth and go, wow, God is big. To stand on the, the, the shore of an ocean and look out and go, my goodness, it just doesn't end. And to walk into the building with people. And be reminded, not just at the table on a Wednesday night, but in the temple with the gathered saints. And to look around the room and to see the backgrounds and the histories and failures and the successes and the difficulties and and the challenges and all the things. And look around the room and say, wow, God's at work in all these people? Wow, God's story is affecting every one of these people? Man, how big is the God that I serve? Like, I remember my first, I remember years ago when my, grand, my dad had season tickets to the Cowboys game in that old concrete box, not the movie theater they have now, but, like, the one where you, like, real fans showed up. And it was cold, and, the, and you had drunk Packer fans behind you, and you had people jumping. I mean, it was, it was concrete. St- no, it was. That's the only time. Yeah, I know. Don't, Packer fans are drunk all the time. And so, like, they, they, so they, they, I, remember, I remember the first time I walked into that, that stadium, you know, 70,000 or whatever it was, people. I remember walking in with four jackets on when we went to the championship game against the Eagles. Just like, just like, just freezing, but just so in awe of everything that was happening. I remember walking in, seeing all, and it wasn't the stadium. It wasn't the stadium. It was the fact that every single seat was filled with people who said, this matters to me. Every seat was filled with people who said, I'm a fan. And while I can go and sit at the table and we can cheer on the Cowboys on somebody's couch and TVs have gotten so big and South Systems and all this stuff, it just doesn't compare. I showed my son TCU basketball games on TV and then I took him to one and guess what? He walked out with a t-shirt and a basketball. There is something about the gathering of the saints. There is something awesome and majestic and wonderful, and powerful, and incredible about God gathering his people together in worship and saying, I'm going to do something in you. You've had a different week than they've had. You've had a different season than they've had. You've had a different journey than they've had. And yet in all of you, I am at work right now. Oh, it's beautiful. It's not just a building. It can be a building. It's not just the building. It makes it so much more beautiful when there are people gathered, worshiping Jesus, honoring who he is, how majestic, how wonderful, how powerful it is when the people of God remember who they are a people of. They are called out. 
worship Him, to be impressed by Him so they can make an impression on the earth. They are, they are called out to be different so they can make a difference. They are called out to live called with purpose, with heaven in their hearts, to bring it to the earth. Amen? So why do we gather? Not because we have to. Why do we gather? Because some preacher told me one time I was supposed to show up in church. Why do we gather? Because it's in the Ten Commandments. No. Why do we gather? Because we get to become more and more every Sunday morning the body of Christ, worshiping him, being transformed by his word and by his glory. And in that, begin to walk out of this place, transformed, going from his table and his house into our house and our table and bringing Jesus with us. That's the beauty of the church. So I don't come here because I'm manipulated into it. I don't come here because I think I have to. I come here because it's a pattern I've established in my life because it changes the posture of my life. Monday morning, I walk out of here knowing I've got a body of believers who are walking with me. I am the body of Christ. I play a part. And even the parts that are hidden are still valuable. And even the parts that don't think they matter, matter. And even the parts that think, well, I don't, have, I don't need to be the hand, so I'm just going to stay. No, no, no. You are still a part of the body of Christ, and God has called us to live called. Amen? Lord, I thank you for today. God, I thank you that you are with us. I thank you that you have made a way for us. I thank you that in this place today, as the gathered people of God, as the church, you are transforming, you are shifting, you are making, you are renewing, you are restoring our life. We are being reminded that there is a greater, grander story that we get to be a part of. And God, I pray that we walk out of here with the t-shirt, we walk out of here with the basketball. We walk out of here knowing that we are part of something so that we can walk out of here ready to impart something. And the streets that we live on, the streets that we work on, the streets that we play on, God, we are going to be people where other people see Jesus. And God, I thank you most of all, most of all, I thank you that you have made a place for us. I thank you that you have saved a seat at the table for us. I thank you that you have said all are welcome at this table. I thank you that you have said through the blood of Jesus Christ that we are allowed. We are not just allowed, we are welcomed into the feast. And I pray that today as we feast at the Lord's table, we would walk out of here and allow other people to feast on the grace and the hope and the love and the faith and the peace that is found in Jesus. God, I thank you for today. God, I pray you bless it. Oh, you know what? I want to do this. I, I, I don't want to necessarily do the raised hand thing. I, I just Could you stand with me? I need to worship God. They're already here also. And we are going to sing this song, Raise a Hallelujah. And I want you to, I just, let's, let's do something tactile with this, yeah? Let's be the church who came in here to worship God our God, who came in here to be reminded that we are not just to get gifts for ourselves, but to get gifts that we might benefit one another, that we might be people of worship and praise. And when we do that, God would begin to train and shape and make us into his image. There's one more quote. Could you show that quote? Do you have it? I, I, I love this quote. I don't want to leave without saying this quote. And I can't say his last name. It's a hard one. If you want to build a ship, don't drum up people to collect wood and don't assign them tasks and work, but rather teach them to long for the endless immensity of the sea. What kind of church can you picture? 
What kind of church can you see when they really get a picture of how big God is? What kind of church can you see when we really begin to understand the power of the table? What kind of church can you begin to see when we begin to establish the pattern of temple to table and the awe and wonder of God? What kind of church, a church with hands raised, worshiping God and hands outstretched, serving people? Come on, right now, let's be a church with hands raised to heaven, saying, God, you are worthy of my story. You are worthy of my journey. You are worthy of everything I bring into it. And I want you to retrain, recalibrate, and restory my life this morning. Come on, let's worship today. I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, you're going to hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated, the King is alive. I'll raise a hallelujah. I'll raise a hallelujah. I'll raise a ready to impart something. Come on, that is so good. That is so good. Amazing job. Man, as you were singing, Melissa, that earlier this morning, that first song, um, nobody knows, or a lot of people don't know the stuff that you've been through. And I just felt like it was your anthem today that you were singing. Like, man, she's been through it, y'all. And yet she showed up a week after surgery. Nobody knew she had some tubes up in here draining, but she showed up. And she was a part, and man, I just felt like it was your anthem, it was your declaration that no matter what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna raise a hallelujah. I'm gonna just, I love the passion that comes from, you know, we live this life, and then there's this passion that comes out of seeing God do something in our lives that just keeps us going. It's amazing, it's amazing. Hey, next week, we have baptisms in a hot tub. <laughs> so if you know somebody that, Man, just would love to get baptized. Bring them. Even if they're new to our community, we would love to see that happen. And so every year, we always have a few that just decide on the spot to get baptized. It's really exciting. And it's warm, y'all. It is warm. And it is nice. My kids want to jump in it every time. So, hey, we love you. Catch a dinner party this week. Catch Next Steps if you would like to today. Love you. Happy spring break, everybody. Let's go impart something awesome.